0: Today, I get to chat with the lovely Molly Niles-Renshaw of Phoenix Classical Pilates in Santa Monica, California. Now, Molly trained as a teacher under Romana Krasnowska nearly 22 years ago. And so she actually shares with us how it was to get started in New York City back then and her journey to becoming a fully fledged and thriving business owner after working inside of a other studios for the last 17 years as a renter or independent contractor. So listen in and hear how Molly, who calls herself a reluctant studio owner, actually finally built a business that she loves. Well, hi there. I'm Sarah Glanfield. I'm a business and marketing strategist just for boutique fitness studio owners like you. If you're ready to be inspired and make a bigger impact, you're in the right place. All you need are a few key strategies, the right mindset, and some support along the way. Join me as I share the real life insights that will help you grow a sustainable and profitable studio. This is the Pilates Business Podcast. Welcome back to the Pilates Business Podcast. I'm Saran, and I'm really glad that you're joining me here today. I've got my coffee, I've got my water, and I'm ready to talk all things Pilates Business with the beautiful Molly Niles-Renshaw. So if you don't know Molly, um, you will soon know her very well. She is a teacher, um, and she's based in LA right now. But her career actually started in New York when she trained to become a teacher under Romana Krasnowska in 1999. Um, she has worked and lived in New York. She then moved back to California um, and has worked as a teacher in other studios she's had she has also more recently opened her own studio um, and she's here to share with us all of the um, ups and downs and and wins that she has uh she has experienced along the way Um, and I'm really excited for her to tell us a little bit about what she's working on right now so welcome Molly thanks Erin
1: uh that was a great intro happy to be here
0: Oh, good. Well, it's not, it's, it's not, uh, it's not hard to share about how amazing thing, how many amazing things you've been a part of, um, and not, and I didn't even mention half of them. So why don't you start by like, telling <laughs> us a little bit about, you know, how you kind of got started in the Pilates world and a little bit about sort of that journey. Cause that, you know, not to Ages, both, but you know it was a long time <laughs> ago, and this, yeah. this industry has evolved enormously in that space of time. So, how was it
1: back then? I know I can't believe it. I'm still teaching. It's been now 22 years. Um, so, yeah, I got like um, so many Pilates teachers. I was a dancer. I was a dance major in college, and I was dancing in a you know little modern dance company, and um, I was waitressing. And I thought that was really hard to get up and go to class in the morning dance class. So I was take, I just had started um, taking Pilates mat class and I liked it. And I thought, oh, maybe I could do this instead of like being on my feet all night, um, waitressing, (laughs) bartending. So, I mean, that was like as much as I thought about it. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to do this until I'm like my whole life. I I didn't put that much thought into it. But then I started, actually, I started in college with a little bit of mat. Um, So I had been introduced to it in college, but then I started um, taking sessions at the Pilates studio in New York city, which was a 2121 Broadway. And I just was like, so lucky that I, it was just like the time I was in the right place at the right time. I just looked up in the, probably in the phone book, what uh, Pilates, where to go. And there was a place called the Pilates studio. There's like one place <laughs> called the Pilates studio. So that's where I went. <laughs> um, and then I, so I ran into um, Bob Leekins there, who was one of my first teachers. And yeah. um, just right away, I was like, how do you get certified? And so I started on that journey right away without doing much training besides a few math classes.
0: Wow. And,
1: um, so back then, you had to do—I believe it was 75 um, prerequisite sessions to get into the program. Wow! So I just took this little pamphlet, piece of paper where they had the numbers written, and I—and they gave me a list of teachers that were certified, which was a very small list back then. Because I think that it was actually 1997 when I um, when I talked to Bob. So I, it took me a while to do all these sessions. And then by yeah. the time I finally got accepted and all the stuff, it, it was the beginning of 99. So it took me about a year to get my act together, save the money, yeah, all that stuff. So um, I did my prerequisite sessions and I started the program in 1999 and I got certified that year. Um, and-, and then
0: did you start teaching right away? At, and how did that kind of, how did getting started back then look like?
1: So since I got, I, I got certified between Drago's gym where Romana was and the mm-hmm. Pilates studio. So we'd kind of bounce back and forth, the apprentices that were in that program. Um, you would do your hours at, with Romana. She came in at like 6 a.m. and left at 1. So you, if you got there as early as possible, that was the best to get her attention and yeah. to get to work with her. And then yeah. after 1, you'd go to the Pilates studio and work with Bob. And then, or you could come back to Drago's and work with Edwina, who was there right. in the afternoons. Yes. So you oh could go God. kind of back and forth and do your hours. Um, and so I just got a job at the Pilates studio. Um, my friend Jung Hee Callender, who's a great teacher, um, she's in New York as well. Oh, she's in New Jersey or New York. Yeah. Um, she said, why don't I'm going to work here? Why don't you just work here? <laughs> and I just did. I stayed there for four years. And um, that was my main place. I worked in New York City. Incredible. Before moving back to California where I'm from.
0: Yeah. And so you built a clientele in New York and then you moved back to California. And so how did life look like as a Pilates teacher arriving in a new state? I know that had something that You know, one of the most amazing things, actually, about having this skill set is that you can go anywhere to do it. But it sometimes takes a little bit of time to kind of find your home or how you want to work in a new place. So, did you know going back home, as it were, that what how you wanted it to look and what you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, I knew I you know I was in New York City for almost 10 years and I just want to say about my training. I think it, I'm I feel so lucky to have gotten that um training back and forth with Ramana and Bob and Nina and Shari because you got like I felt like I got the essence of Joseph Pilates. I felt like I was as close to him as I could be and just that energy of the Drago's gym where you see all these people like doing flips and then Um, just all the, the energy of all the teachers and clients and the cross section of New York city that you got, and just that energy of the work, I feel like is irreplaceable. So I'm so grateful that I got that training because when you come to Los Angeles, there was less, um, there was less classical Pilates going on here. So I worked at every single studio that was classical, um, (laughs) every single one, there was not that many. And I just, I lived, when I first moved back to LA, I moved in with my parents for like yeah. 18 months. And I worked at a studio in the Valley, Michael um, Levy's, which yep. was great. And, um, and then at Zoe's in Pasadena. So those were like the main um, classical studios. And there's Trish Garland, which I, I didn't work for her, but I still take sessions with her. She's yeah. amazing. Yes. Um, yeah. So it, it did take a few years to get my bearings in. Los Angeles, even though I grew up here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then you joined the Windsor Pilates team.
1: Yeah. So then I decided to move. I really always wanted to live near the beach. So I moved to Santa Monica. Um, and I had a cute little apartment on right on the beach and I didn't want to keep driving to all the way to the Valley or Pasadena. So I looked, um, just, location-wise where I want to be. And I started working at Equinox in Santa Monica, which was yeah. another amazing learning experience. So different from working at somewhere like Pilates studio or Drago's or a classical studio. I was dealing with like gym people right. that didn't know Pilates and were like, how is this going to help me? And so I I was not comfortable there at all, but it was such a learning experience because I got more of this corporate side of like, what, how can I help people? And how do I sell this? And they, yeah. they really were keeping track of the teacher's numbers. And you yeah. had to sell a certain amount of packages and get a certain amount of people in your classes. And I had never thought one minute about that before. right? So yeah. it made me very uncomfortable, <laughs> yet it was a good education for me, especially now having my own studio. So then, yeah. so I was at Equinox and then at that same time period, I, I wanted more of a classical Pilates feel. So I went up to Windsor and, um, that's where I met Hector, who was my partner. And I met Mari, who was like a force of nature. Uh, she's wow, yeah. so great. And she was a real mentor to me. And, yeah, you know, she passed away last year in 2020. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I was there for ten years at her studio,
0: yeah, yeah, and more recently, though, you have founded your own studio, phoenix classical Pilates so tell us tell us all a little bit about how that came to be, and why now you know you've you've been you've been teaching for a long time you've you've worked at a lot of different studios. What was it that you know sort of drew you to the studio ownership position versus continuing to teach? Yeah.
1: I was a very reluctant, um, studio owner. I was a, uh, independent contractor renter for many years, like 17 years or something. My first job at the Pilates studio was actually an employee where we had, it was like a real job. We had benefits and everything. We had to work (laughs) certain hours. But after that, I've always been an independent contractor. So, um, I didn't really want to open my own studio. It's very easy to just teach your clients and be done at the end of the day and hang up your apron and go home. So it wasn't something that I was wanting to do, but when Mari got sick with ALS and she had to close her studio, most of the Windsor team moved to another studio together. Then about a year or so later, that studio closed. And so we were all like scrambling. And so that was just the turning point where I was like, do I want to just be a renter at a studio where I don't really know? Like Mari was so awesome to work for, but did I want to do that again for someone that I don't know that well? So Hector and I got together and we said, what if we just get a space and we'll just take all the clients we have and we'll just have a studio. And then he came up with the idea of calling it Phoenix, like the studio that rises from the ashes, because it seemed like back to back three studios had closed, and we were left scrambling. So we're like, let's have this Phoenix Classical Pilates. That's where the name came from. Um, I love but, it. And-, and you take
0: and you decided you wanted to sort of take the reins, you know, of or versus perhaps, you know, trying to find a home somewhere else. You yeah. were, you kind of wanted to kind of build your own house. (laughs) Yes.
1: Although I have to say I started pretty naively with very little business um, knowledge. So we just said, we want, we have these clients. We know people want to work with us. Let's just get a space where we will see these clients and they will pay us. And then we'll let some other teachers come in, rent the space. And that's it. It's a very simple business model. And We were like, yeah, let's do that. And it worked great. Um, What happened, like things just change over time. And for me, I realized about a year in that that business model, although simple and fine, just wasn't what I wanted anymore. And I just had this little nagging feeling that was needling away at me that I wanted to build something a little bit more concrete. I wanted to build like my own business and brand that, that just couldn't happen in that renter model. Cause we had teachers coming from all over kind of different styles, different, you know, just the in and out. It wasn't like one cohesive brand and we'd had some group classes, but everyone that came in would pay that teacher and then you'd pay that teacher. And so it was just, it's just not what I wanted anymore. I wanted like one streamlined system where one payment system, one brand message. And uh, so that was like around the end of nine, nine, 2019. And then um, the pandemic hit. I started working mm-hmm. with you closely mm-hmm. in our um, the Thrive group, yeah. which made me solidify like how I was feeling. I just had these little nagging thoughts, but like I didn't really think I could change it. And so I'm, I have, I still now I'm in a transition period, but Hector, my partner, who's an awesome person and we're still friends and we are working together. We decided to kind of split up the partnership. So now I'm the sole owner of the studio. He's still the co-founder and he still teaches there, but we've, we've kind of split up the partnership and now I've I'm trying right now to build this dream business that I've been, yep. um, that I had in my mind and it's, it's yeah. still a work in progress. I'm still climbing the mountain, but I'm getting closer all the time.
0: Oh my gosh. You have, uh, you've, you, you've come so far, so far. I mean, we talked last week about, your amazing website that you now have that's up and running you've got a fantastic onboarding process for your clients you've got your your you know what you offer how you you know how you help your clients the way you work with them and you've got this fantastic challenge that you've been rolling out with some of your clients as well i mean that what you've been able to achieve essentially alone inside of your business really no 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 one else is is helping you on the business side to, to take the action and do the things is really incredible, honestly, so I think you should feel really good about where you where you're at right now and and you're setting up all those systems so that you can you know continue to grow and evolve and and continue to lean into that vision that you have which is
1: yeah a lot uh, has happened it's only I've only owned the business by myself for five months. Right. <laughs> and I've been like, I mean, I've been working like crazy, but it seemed it's so much behind the scenes that you mm-hmm. outwardly, I don't know if you see the big changes. Yes, I have a new website. I have an app. Um, I'm running a challenge right now, the um, Joseph Pilates challenge, which has yep. been so fun. Like, uh, it's where you take 30 sessions in 10 weeks, yeah. Going with Joseph Pilates' most quoted quote: of yep. "The 10 sessions you'll." feel the difference in 20 sessions, you'll see the difference. In 30 sessions, you'll have a whole new body. Right. Which that last part I put a little asterisk by because that's yep. <laughs> kind of unrealistic expectations, but you will feel I mean I'm seeing it's now we're exactly halfway through the today. Um Monday was starting of week six. So we're a little over halfway. And I'm seeing people like their posture great, their dominals working and like i i'm really seeing transformations just yeah. coming 3 times a week for 10 weeks has been awesome so, so i'm awesome. going to do it again um in 2022 awesome i
0: mean i the way that you approach that creating that challenge and rolling it out and thinking through all the different elements and you know has is why it's been so successful and and i'm glad you're going to be able to do it again and you're going to be able to to have the um all these amazing clients that have been through it once come back and talk about it for your marketing yeah. for the next time around, but perhaps they may even want to do it again because it feels like it, it's kind of like a kickstart or a, something, you know, you might want to do at a certain time of year to get, to feel, you know, to really commit, recommit maybe to practice. So yeah. that's, that's fun. That's super fun. I mean, yeah. I mean, you've, you've really done a lot in five months, Molly.
1: <laughs> I mean, watching you. It's, I feel it's been... like I have. You have, but, and you I'm really still have. just not quite there. I know maybe I'll never be there. I think there's always another mountain to climb, but the things that I'm, the systems, which you've helped me with so much, that is not my strong suit of just building the systems of like just even a payment system, a scheduling system, blocking out the time to do my content, like batch create content. I was not doing that. I was just on the fly. So now I, um, I have a lot of systems in place. Like I always send my, um, email on a Sunday, just that's as much as I can commit to once a week. And I always do it. And, yeah. um, you know, i also spend quite a lot of time writing. I do a lot of, um, content creation. And so that, so my teaching hours are not as much as you you might think I, I hear other yeah. teachers and studio owners are teaching like 30, 40 hours a week. And I do about 15 to 22, depending on the week. And that's great for me. That's like the balance I've found over the years of, um, I love teaching, but I don't like teaching a lot. So if I go yeah. over like five sessions, six, some days in a day, I completely burn out. And I, I just I go on almost autopilot which I do not want to do that with my clients. So I just know that, um, if I keep my hours a little bit less then I'm a better teacher, I can give more and then I can spend more time on what's more natural to me as a introvert. I'm really found that I'm most happy, like on my computer or at home uh, in my alone time and my internal life. Um, that's where i'm most comfortable but yeah i also love that when i have to be a little more extroverted and and teach i actually yeah. do love that it's just i have to balance it for my well-being my mental health
0: yes i 100% i think you know that's i think that's quite common actually um and i certainly know that. i feel the same way that that quiet time that alone time is how you recharge yeah. you know or you know or spending time writing is yeah really can be very powerful for centering as well so i know i on that i actually wanted to ask you because you have a um a uh, a a blog called tarry life so tell me yeah. a little bit more about that because i didn't know that until a little bit later on after we started working together and and as a, as i think you'd sent it to me and um and it's really awesome tell us a little bit more about that and how that came to
1: exist? Well, I've been writing a blog for, uh, probably like 12 years, but, um, just, I, you know, whatever was going on in my life, I would just write about whether it was like back 10 years ago when I was breastfeeding and pumping and cloth diapers. And so it was very like baby centric for years. And then, um, you know, it just evolved with what was going on. So in 2017, um, I I went through a program uh KonMari which was it's a organizing program about um, you know Marie Kondo and the uh-huh. um, sparking joy so I did her certification and I'm a certified KonMari expert I have <laughs> no idea yeah. Oh my goodness how did I <laughs> not know I that? don't do that for I it was just more the experience and how I um have organized my house and my cuz I live in a very small house with four people So I've pared down our belongings to the absolute minimum and what we love. And so um, that is just like how I, that's another reason I love Pilates studios. They're so organized and everything's just so, and the machines have to be put back a certain way and the springs and this and that. So that all appeals to my senses. So around 2017, I did that Komari program and uh, I was very, Interested in just simplifying life, paring down, stopping the busyness that seems to be like a badge of honor that people are like, "Oh, I'm so busy, so I'm so much better than you, and that's like actually drives you into the ground. so be less busy, simplify just uh spend time on the things that are important to you within your home, your life, say no more. And, um, so those are the things I like to write about in my blog
0: and it ties into
1: my Pilates practice too. I, sometimes I write about, um, Pilates. I'm doing that a little bit more now, but it's more about just like lifestyle of, um, collecting experiences and not things.
0: Yeah. It's, that's amazing. Amazing. And, and I was, I mean, I think that one of, you know, you, 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 um, during the pandemic, you decided to take kind of a, a bit of perhaps time to simplify and, and, and live in the present. And you tech took some time and headed down to Mexico for, for a couple of months. Um,
1: I miss, I'm going to say this as a joke because I, there's a lot of parts of COVID and the pandemic that I miss not, and I'm saying that just because no one in my family passed away from it. It was a terrible time. But for, for me and my family, it was actually a great opportunity to um, get to... All of us were online, as most people were. And so we got to just take off to Mexico for three months from November to February. And I yeah. still taught my clients on Zoom. And yeah. the kids were on uh, Zoom school. And we just had an amazing time, like holed up in our beach house. Yeah. So that was Amazing. awesome. And just as I know, I know, I keep saying I'm an introvert, but not having to go anywhere was so great for me. I loved it. Oh, I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> I hear you. Which is I hear you. Hey, okay. if you're an extrovert, like my best friend is, and my dad is an extrovert to the max, they can't have that. They right. The more time you can spend talking and being with people, that's what feeds you. And although I love all my friends and family. I have to come back and recharge by myself.
0: Right.
1: Instead, they really different.
0: Different experiences, so different for different people. Yeah, everybody, you know, I think it's one of the things that was highlighted by going into a sort of a reduced um, interactive petit of life, as it were, is how the rea- the reactions that different people had, you kind of you know, some people were totally fine with it and some people were not at all fine with it, you know, and, uh, and, and managing that and, and navigating that and staying sort of mentally healthy through that was, yeah. is the challenge. Yeah. As long as I'm my out.
1: family was healthy, um, I was really fine with it. Yeah. It. Although I do like right. teaching, um, in person better. I did, you know, year over year of just online teaching and, uh, I do prefer to be in real life. Yeah, it is a great tool, and you know that I remember when we started working together. It was like the right, the beginning of the pandemic, and I feel lucky. Like that's another thing. It's like right timing in life because I feel like I was able to keep my studio thriving uh, because of (laughs) the work we did, and. So many studios closed, unfortunately, during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And just with the marketing message, the consistent marketing message um, that I probably wouldn't have come up with naturally, um, that was so helpful. And now we're really busy again.
0: Yeah. It's very exciting. It is exciting. It is. And I've been very fortunate that everyone who is a part of Thrive has done, done very well considering the environment for sure. So we've been, we've been fortunate in so many ways. Um, okay. I wanted to go back to something that I did want to talk to you a little bit about, um, Mm -hmm. that you have had firsthand experience with as a studio owner. And that is, um, sort of how you um, came to be in a partnership and then how you kind of came to be out of a partnership. And I know, I mean, I have to say, I've spoken to a lot of studio owners who are about to embark on opening a studio with somebody else. And I've been a part of some very messy breakups over partnerships over the years as well. Um, Mm -hmm. They don't usually end as well as yours. So I kind of wanted (laughs) to... um, yeah maybe you could share a little bit about you know how it came to be and how you kind of I know that you know how you evolved through that period of time with your business partner,
1: yeah, I mean, I touched on it a bit in that we came into our partnership somewhat naively. we just wanted a space to teach our clients and we decided to do it together. That was it so we yeah. i came, I would say when you're going into a partnership, you should try your best to think down the road to, are we really aligned? What do we, th- what are, what's our five-year plan? This, and we, we didn't spend zero minutes on, um, on that kind <laughs> of planning. So we, when we started, we both just wanted this rental studio and uh, my partner, Hector Mercado, who's an awesome teacher and um, friend. he, he was really happy with that. It's a simple business model that works. He's happy with yeah. that. And so he would have continued with that and there's nothing wrong with that. Nope. Um, I was the one that changed that I was, I really wanted to build a business that could possibly expand, grow, um, have like a, a brand that could be replicated. And yeah, I, I wanted a team. I wanted to hire employees that I could more shape and I didn't want just people coming in and out. And so I wanted to build a team. And so I just started having these thoughts that were not aligned with what he wanted. So it seemed like we were just at a, a bit of an impasse, like either, um, so we talked through this a lot. And I I was, we got to a period where I was like, okay, all you keep this, you could just keep doing the rental studio and then all get another space, not like next door or anything. Um, and we'll just totally go different ways and in, in love and peace. And then we went, went through that back and forth. And then, um, and then we just ultimately decided that it would be easier for both of us. If I just kept the space, he still is a renter. And that's another thing yeah. that I'm kind of working on right now, like having renters and employees at the same time. But, yeah. um, so we were able somehow to amicably go back and forth and talk it out, hash it out and come up with an agreement that worked for us. And now we, we, um, we hired a lawyer just to like do the uh, wording and stuff of like, this is our exit strategy. This is our settlement agreement, you know, but it was very, um, friendly. And I know it could go yeah. very, very wrong easily. Like you yeah. really go that way, but we just, just, we even talked about that. Like, can we do this in a very respecting way? That's, and cause we, we want to continue to be friends and so yeah. often partnerships can, that's the end of that relationship. So we didn't yeah, want agreed. That to happen. And, No. And I think that
0: you, you guys were so thoughtful about how the fact that you wanted to, you, you know, you were friends first and you still want to be friends after. Yeah, And that was like the big, that was a big, big part of the, the, you know, that was why, that was what kind of helped you to figure out the right way forward for you both. Right. And I think that that, you know, when you're, you know, if anyone is thinking about forming a partnership or perhaps moving on from a partnership, and I think that one of the things that, you know, came up for you very clearly is that when you start, you don't always know what's down the road. Right. And you never know what's down the road. Like businesses change, people evolve, needs evolve, lifestyles change, you know, you know, so there's a lot that can change. And I think that, you kind of have to always have that in the back of your mind, whether you're alone in your business or whether you're with somebody else in your business. And when you're with someone else in your business, it just is a bit more complicated. Yes. But if you can find a way to talk it through and you can be open and honest about what you're looking for and, and you can find a way to navigate it without any of the, um, of the yucky stuff and, and what it, you know, that, which I've seen it, uh, you know, it can get very ugly very quickly. And I want, I would always want any, everyone to to avoid being in that situation because it, it can get messy. And um, if and, and I was friendly. ever
1: to be in a partnership again, I think a, I would do like a major planning session. So we both were on the same page and B I think I would not go have a partnership with a friend again, even though it's so tempting, I always talk about it like my best friend, we should do this company and that company or my sisters and stuff. But uh, I would say the the partnerships that I know of that are successful for many years, often one person brings some sort of um, strength to the partnership and another person brings another. And one is like a business person and one is the creative or whatever yeah. it, the combo is, but maybe they're not your friend. They're just someone that you want those strengths with and that you're like, we're going to build this business and there's, it's not really emotional. So, um, that's what that would, I I'd be nervous to go into another partnership just because things do change. And also when you're in different parts of your life, you know, I'm in a very different part of having young children and busy and I'm wanting a studio for maybe the next 20 years. Um, and then, um, You know, my partner who is more like, these are my swan song years. My, you know, he went, it's a different part of life as I'll get there too. I hope if I'm lucky enough. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, yeah, you're just, you got to think of so many things. And then we just went into it very blindly, kind of like, oh my God, we have nowhere to go. Let's open a business. But now, I mean, I feel that I've gotten an MBA in the last three years just from all the work, the books, podcasts the business group Thrive. Um, I've done some other trainings, the continuing ed that now I know QuickBooks and MindBody online and uh, so much software that I never yeah. thought I would ever know in my life. I, I've given myself such an education in the last three years. That's insane. Yeah. And um, I'm so grateful for. So I feel like I could do anything now. <laughs>
0: Amazing. I agree. I agree. And I, you know, it's, am- it's so funny because you started out saying that you were like a reluctant business owner, but you've really stepped into the role. And I feel like you really enjoy all of the moving parts that come with it, you know? know. So- it's such a
1: surprise. <laughs> crazy. I, really, I was like, <laughs> I'll just be a renter and a mom. Great. And now yeah. I'm like, I really do like having my own business and being the leader and yeah, I, I do like awesome. it, and I could even see That's it going amazing. into other businesses. I'm developing some Ooh. merchandise, and I'm trying to develop a little bit of a shop for my website. That's like a whole other oh, thing, and, and the blog, a and maybe a book is coming out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> a lot of ideas. I love it. Such a creative. You're so creative. All right. So tell me, I've got a couple of questions for you that I'd love to hear your thoughts on. First mm-hmm. of all, um we know that you actually have opened your business during one of the most challenging periods of our lives. Um, but what, what was perhaps, you know, the most challenging maybe, was it, was it sort of thinking about figuring out how to evolve through your partnership or were there other parts that you found challenging, um, that you weren't expecting to find to be that
1: as difficult? Uh, let's see. Yeah. During the, Lockdown. Um, It was, of course, challenging to pivot to a virtual studio, but um, I was. I'm grateful that my client, most of my clients, uh, stuck with it. So that was a surprise, and and also equally, the ones that didn't weren't comfortable on a computer have come back. So I've I've gotten through the this hard time kind of through the skin of our teeth, but we were able to keep the revenue pretty somewhat steady. I mean, I have to say, if I was having to completely support my family on what I was making in 2020, it wouldn't have been that pretty. So I'm grateful that I have a husband that stepped in, but I was able to pay the bills of the studio and make a little bit of um, profit. Yeah. That was um, great.
0: yeah, and so what would you say is the sort of big lesson that you're going to t- carry with you as you go forward, or that perhaps you wished you perhaps learned earlier on in your career, or earlier on as a teacher or as a business owner? Oh
1: my God, so many things! Like how much time I know—that's
0: <laughs> <laughs> a loaded question.
1: Take Firstly, one, just one thing. I remember when Hector and I first opened. The first person that did our website goes, um, "So, guys, what's going to be your marketing?" what's your marketing strategy? And we were like, uh, we didn't even really know (laughs) what that meant. Right. And I was like, so I wish I had, um, had more of a, um, idea of what even it meant to, to, to market your studio because you can be a great, I always thought I was a good teacher that doesn't really matter that much if no one knows who you are or where you are. (laughs) So, Right. Marketing's really important. So you could be a great teacher, but it doesn't, you have to show the public that they should come to you. So I had no strategy that I wish I had thought about that a little bit more and, um, maybe.
0: Well, then you did go and spend a lot of time thinking about that. Yeah. So now
1: I spend (laughs) tons of time, uh, thinking about that and it's, and it actually has, um, worked that I feel like I've gotten my word out there a lot more. Um, and just from my from my early days, I think I spent. I wish I could have my forty eight year old brain back when I was twenty four getting certified. I was very like timid and almost fearful of the the powers that be in the classical Pilates world. I, I was very scared to ask questions, and so that. I maybe just comes with more confidence and age and experience. I, I don't feel that anymore. And so I feel like I wasted some time early on, kind of being like scared to ask questions. And like, as I said earlier, my early training was so great. I'm so grateful for it. But I've gone way beyond that um, initial training and sought out my own teachers. And they were kind of some outside the classical world because what I want to know to help my clients is more um, like how the body works and, and anatomy and physiology. And some of that yeah. stuff is was lacking in my first program I did. It was more based on Romana, who knows the knew the body great, but it was more her intuition. And that's hard to teach that. And so they didn't really yeah. teach the actual like science anatomy. And so you were kind of like supposed to just know this intuition when you're like in your twenties for me. And I, I wasn't quite getting it. So I was like, I, I feel like now I, I wish I had spent more time on learning that stuff earlier.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. But now I, I've yeah. spent so much time on um, continuing education with teachers that I know that really understand the body in a scientific way. Uh, yeah.
0: And I do, I agree. I think that does come with, you know, you get wiser, you get more confident, you get much clearer about what you need to know as well. Um, yeah. I think that comes with time for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's just yes, you can't know what your, you know, like certain exercises. When when I was first learning, the teachers would say like, "Oh, well, that's not good for sciatica," but no, like explanation beyond that. So I was like, "Okay, I write that down." But you had to like piece it together more, and um, so now I feel that I have a more complete education of the body, and I'm still always learning. That's like one of my biggest priorities teaching is continuing education, trying to learn more about the body and um, learning from physical therapists and my chiropractor and even my medical doctor. I asked questions like, why is this happening? And so I've learned and evolved my teaching and some of the cues I use now are, are different from when I started.
0: Yeah. yeah, And I, and I, and I love that. I think it's so important to continue to have fresh perspectives and to learn and learn and learn because, you know, then you're never going to get bored. You're always going to, you're going to grow and evolve with your clients and you're going to come with a fresh, with fresh new ideas and, 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 um, ways of doing things and new perspectives. And, you know, it keeps us, um, keeps us alive, right. And
1: growing, which is
0: Yeah. I mean, that's my mission
1: now. And that's one reason I still, I think that I'm still teaching 20 plus years later is that now I want my clients to live in these healthy pain-free bodies. So I want to get them stronger and healthier. And that sounds like, of course, that's what you want. But I don't think I always um, had that focus. It was more like for fitness and maybe a certain look, but now yeah. I'm, I'm just really laser focused on longevity and health of the body and how am I going to get my clients there?
0: Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I want, this has been such a fantastic conversation, Molly. Thank you so, so much for yes, joining us today. Fun. It it's been a pleasure. So why don't you tell us really quickly where people can find you online if they want to connect with you?
1: Okay. So I'm, I'm on um, social media a lot with um, at Phoenix Santa Monica. That's my um, Instagram of the studio. Also my website, the Terry Life blog we were talking about earlier, that's at um, TerryLife.com or MollyNilesRenshaw.com and terry t i i did i should explain that more but we can go back later <laughs> that's like another thing terry,
0: i want to pop the links in the uh, in the show notes oh, okay. as well so everyone can yeah, because terry there.
1: like not t-e-r-r-y but t-a-r-r-y hey. like to terry or to um, you know spend time yeah. to kind of procrastinate in the best way um and way. uh phoenix classical pilates in santa monica so we're phoenixclassicalpilates.com yep. love to see you we have a lot of great group classes that um, are small and just four people. So you get a lot of attention. And of course we have privates and we have great teachers. Come on in That's and try right.
0: Come on, check it out. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Molly. So great to chat with you. And um, I really hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Pilates Business Podcast. And if you found it helpful to you, be sure to never miss another episode by hitting that follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to this podcast. I'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Did you love this episode and want more? Head to spring3.com and check out my free resources that will help you run a profitable and fulfilling studio business. And before you go, one last reminder, there is no one way to do what you do, only your way. So... Whatever it is that you want to do, create or offer, you've got this. Thanks again for joining me today and have a wonderful rest of your day.